to the new Black Society podcast with Nate Wilson, providing key insights to the most important stories affecting the Black community. Here's your host, Nate Wilson. Welcome to the new Black Society podcast, episode number seven. Seven. I'm seven in already, man. I got a special, 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 special guest. Uh, this guy I've known for a long time. He runs the You Ask For It podcast, the You Ask For It group. He is a podcaster, videographer himself, making a name for himself from Philadelphia. My man, Basim the Dream. Yes. What's going on? Man? How you feeling? I'm good. How are you today, sir? Man, I cannot complain. I cannot complain. So I saw you had uh, messaged me. You yes. had some things to say about the WAP video. Yes. Now, I have written about the WAP video on my site, New Black Society. It has gotten many, many shares, lots and lots of comments. Uh, your thoughts, sir, being a hip-hop aficionado yourself. I mean, I grew up in it. Video, what did you think? All right, so when I saw the video, like, my first response was, this was an awesome video. I mean, it could have went a lot of different ways. Okay. Now, all right, so let me start here. Let me start here. I was more concerned with the song flopping than the video. You literally have two beautiful women. Mm -hmm. You could have put them up there in business suits and just had the WAP song playing in the background and the video would have been a hit. It wouldn't have mattered. Like they didn't have to show a lot of skin. It wasn't, they, they don't have, they don't have to do that. Both of them are, are kind on the eyes, like just, just from the neck up. Right. And then when you, uh, when you consider, who both of them are as people, um, both of them, well, you know, Cardi's not college educated, but Cardi's still smart as hell. We, we can only go by the moves that she's made since she's become famous, right? Mm -hmm. And just judging by those moves, she's a pretty smart, she's a pretty smart woman. Um, as far as Meg is concerned, college educated, her mother was college educated. She, she did, she's no dummy. And, and we recognize that she has a little bit of street smarts with her too. So it's like, all right, cool you put these two beautiful, intelligent black women together on screen and it's going to be a hit. Um, and I think I might just be looking at it from that type of lens. I don't, I don't see, you know, the major problems with the video. It's not made for BET uncut. This would have been like, this would have in the nineties. This is how you would have opened up be cut uncut. Like it would have been like, all right, yeah, this is the softy video. It really, it really came on it at, at 10 55, not at 11 o'clock. <laughs> like, like this isn't this isn't that video and so the the uproar that everyone was having with the song lyrics and the video um i'm like yo like seriously like the things that men have said not only just men the things that other women have said yes about this yes like for real like I mean, I mean i remember listening to kia talk about my neck my back my, back. my pussy and my crack I do recall her saying this. Absolutely, Kaya, Trina, and um, and the other chick from Miami. It's a, it's a Miami trio. Like the three of them, nobody can outdo them as far as women are concerned, in my opinion. But like you know, like two, like you got to think about it. Like we come from a generation where too too short. Literally, you can't say bitch the way he says bitch without him accusing you of biting the way he says bitch. Like it's not. And I'm sorry if I can't say that on your podcast. I apologize. No, no, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, there's going to be a lot of bleeps on this podcast there's going to be a lot of editing so. <laughs> I, hope not. I hope not i hope i can come off more professional than that um but yeah like so 
on our pod, on, on our podcast, me and my man Cortez um, right now, it started out with me and my man Dre, and then we added Cortez. Dre decided it was a lot going on, so he decided to leave. And again, I appreciate, and I've said this a billion times, I appreciate and I'm super grateful for everything that he brought to this. Um, because without him, it wouldn't even have started. And, you know, that's, that is just 100. Um, what's that? Shout out to Cortez. Yeah, shout out to Cortez, shout out to Dre, shout out to everybody involved, because uh, we actually have a whole team. Um, it's actually about six of us. Well, it was f- six. Now it's five of us that actually run two podcasts. We run my podcast, the US4 podcast and web show, and then we run All the Smoke, which is basically a female-led, black female-led podcast um, with Mika and Simone. And oh. that particular podcast, they, they used – so how it started last – when we first started – our podcast was the funny comedy podcast. Mm-hmm. And that's really what we were always after, you know, try to just make people laugh. And mm-hmm. then the world ended yeah. and nobody wanted to laugh. Like they wanted somewhere where they could, you know, actually get a real opinion about something. Um, right. It was great that we didn't have to change the name of the show or nothing. We literally just went right into more serious topics. Like that was it. Okay. Got you. So, like, with the WAP video, what I want to know, you mentioned, like, some of the dudes was just tripping off of it, right? They was upset. Are you able to empathize with them? Do you understand where they're coming from? Because, like you said, we heard far worse. What do you think they're so upset about? Um, honestly? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I want to say this. Hey, it! They're losing their they're they're losing their grip and control, hmm. and it's being displayed in manners in which they don't like it. I and agree. They, I mean, I do. That's I, it. Like that's really it. That's the best way that I can put it. Um, I think about the fact that, like what you said, you know, this is this is a this is how how black women's res- revolution is going to look, and we as men we just got to sit back and be and either be uncomfortable and support them or be comfortable in it and support them. But either way, we got to support them in that period. However, if we don't agree with it, listen, let me tell you, I have, I have seven children, four of them are daughters. Each of them have, you know, they all have moms and I got my mom and my grandmother and I got a lot of women in my life. Right. So from my perspective, yeah, there are some things that probably I didn't want my daughter to hear it. So I got a three-year-old and a four-year-old. So when my three-year-old was in the car with me today, I had to take her to a doctor's appointment. Like normally I have, I have titles. So I normally would put WAP on and then just hit radio and let it, let it rock out with, with WAP radio. And today I'm, she's in the car with me. I'm not playing that. Like that doesn't, to me, it's more of, it was more of a, because a couple, see, it's not just men. It was also women. Yeah. That, that got at me like women were mad at me on my Instagram page and like just went in and I'm like yo like y'all realize I went to high school with y'all like I really wanted to call them out but I'm like yo I'm gonna let y'all rock because I remember both of y'all was little Kim fans yeah and then y'all grew up and now y'all not little Kim fans no more y'all not y'all not fans of that type of music and that's cool that's great but you still became the person that you are today and those lyrics were still part of your history those those lyrics that you were listening to still mm. Got you, you still here now. Like you still would consider yourself, whether you consider yourself a success or whatever, you know, even if you consider yourself a failure, you can't look back and blame little Kim. No. 
Like, like my daughters, are, if my daughters say to me, dad, I'm dropping out of college and I want to become a stripper, I'm going to look at her and I'm going to say, all right, cool. You can rock that for six months, but in six months, I need for you to come back to me with a better decision than that. Because to me, that's not, that's not setting you up for long-term. Now if she say I'm dropping out of school and I want to be a photographer. I want to be, you know, whatever else that she, if she wants to be in any type of entrepreneur, cool, great. Let's rock out. I'll support you hundred percent in that. You know, but even even in that idea, because I've had this conversation on another podcast, even the idea of her dropping out and saying she wants to be a stripper, cool. I'm not going to tell you don't do it, because in my eyes, I'm still going to go buy her first outfit. And not only am I going to go buy her first outfit, I'm going to be her protection when she leaves the club every night. Okay. Like, so it's, it's not a manner of me trying to say to her, yo, you can't do this. No, no. My job was to keep you off the pole as it, that was a comedy skit that wasn't real life real life said my job is to make sure that i raise a daughter or a child in general who can make decisions for themselves and look forward beyond six months beyond a year and that's where and be able to live in a world where those types of lyrics go on in your background and they don't affect your world internally but do you think that the lyrics really don't have an effect or is there a way that we can block the lyrics out don't you think that the lyrics that you hear from all these different you know music artists they don't affect your subconscious they don't affect your belief system they don't no, they, do. they absolutely do they absolutely do there's a there's been there's been studies and everything that says everything that you hear in 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 in, in your environment affects you subconsciously somehow some way it may come back to you in the decision that you make later on in life right. all right cool I'm not saying that part of it. What I'm saying is that my voice will be louder. And how? How, how is your voice going to be louder? Because I'm the one here every day also. What's that? Are you just going to be more involved? More involved. I'm going to be more, I'm going to be more involved. And when it comes to the lyrics, I'm breaking the lyrics down to them. Because I'm the parent. I control what I control up until she's old enough to start doing it herself. I control what they take in as a child. Um, so I'm the one that's responsible to make sure that, you know, she's not on YouTube watching WAP videos. I'm yeah. the one that's, that's got to make sure that, you know, when I'm driving, I'm not listening to that on a continuous loop and things like that. Like I have to make sure that I have to, I have to police myself and them and go from there. And then when I feel as though, well, not even when I feel as though, when they demonstrate that they're old enough to kind of start making those moves and decisions for themselves, then you know, I'll give them the, I'll give them the reins and they can do, you know, do what they do with it. And, but again, I don't want it. Most of the time what happens is that children grow up and they get to a point, they make decisions. And the reason that they don't come back to their parents is because of shame and because they feel like they just, they don't feel comfortable coming back to their parents because their parents are going to punish them or whatever. I don't ever want to have that type of relationship with my children at all. So I'm not even starting there. If the yeah. aim is to, to never have that, then I don't even want to start it. So I want it, I want my children to always feel comfortable to be able to, I don't care what decision it is. If I'm, if they're dropping out of school, cool. I want you to come and talk to me about it. I don't, I'm, I'm not going to make you defend your point. No, I just want you to talk. I want to know what went into your decision. Mm -hmm. So that then, you know, when, when we have, when we reconvene in however long and we have this conversation again, I can say to you like, yo, but you know, you said, you said X, Y, Z. Great. That was awesome. And I'm glad, I'm glad for it. I'm glad that you were able to make that decision. But here's the other side of it. So, I mean, ultimately, it's about giving options to the kids 
Yes. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, making sure that you're approachable. I think that's obviously fantastic parenting advice, in my personal opinion. I know my daughter, you know, she's 11. I don't believe she's heard the WAP video yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think she's heard the song. Um, maybe she has, maybe she has not. She's been with her mother this past week uh, with her, at, her, at her grandparents' house. So mm-hmm. since this has popped off, I don't know. but i tell you what um i always try to leave the door open for her to come and say well what do you think she's always asking me what do you think about this or what do you think about that and that's a good sign because it tells me she cares about my opinion but i'm also uh you know concerned because it's like you know i don't necessarily i want her to understand that you know sex is a beautiful thing but I also wanted to know that there's consequences to sex. Things happen. And, and I think my main point for her is always going to be to protect your interests uh, and make sure that you, I'm going to protect your interests and make sure that you know what your interests are and protect those. Uh, and then I'll leave the rest to her mother. You know, because <laughs> it, it gets a little awkward. But speaking of awkward, like, what's the state of hip hop right now? Like, it's all over the place to me. Like, I don't know who's the king, who's the queen, who's on top of the game. What's the real message being conveyed? Um, what's the state of hip hop? Everybody's becoming podcasters. Pretty much. Like, that's the state of hip hop. Pretty much. And I think COVID-19 is taking us there to where people uh, don't have to we, were on our, we were on our way. There is a few that started um, and had to switch out how they record it. Mm. But they started in like January, February, and then took a break when COVID first hit and had to change out how they were recording. Um, for us, literally all we had to change, like I haven't, I haven't uploaded anything since COVID as far as audio is concerned because the live shows have been so like pushed and just like we've been pushing the live show, bringing everybody to that platform. But then I realized that everybody's not on Facebook. So now, you know, I have to then switch gears and start pushing YouTube, but it's cool. Either one works. Um, and now I'm taking, once, once we end the live season, I'll start uploading, you know, season two, because that's where we're at now. We're in season two. Um, but what it is, is that there were shows that were already in the process of starting and they were like, yeah, we're going to be in studio, blah, blah, blah. And then COVID hit. And if you didn't have a studio in your basement, um, you didn't know like how you were going to record because you didn't have the, you didn't know, you know, I knew from day one, audacity, anchor like all these things like when when spotify brought anchor i was like oh spotify is about to make the move great let me start using anchor so i started mm-hmm. using anchor bam you use anchor and you bam automatically uploaded to spotify you know what i mean a couple a couple edits here and there bam now i'm uploaded to apple music mm-hmm. i mean um well apple Podcasts, and then you know google pod google google podcast and now i'm and now pretty much i'm on i think the we're on like 11 different platforms um yeah like so and that's that's of no doing of my own that literally is i the only two that i've like did anything with was set up anchor set up the one on apple Podcasts because apple Podcasts they don't feed automatically whereas though with anchor it feeds automatically and then like once you're uh as long as you have a unique name you'll pretty much get pushed everywhere right no no i agree I, i put it up on anchor and then I started popping up on Spotify. I, I'm on, you know, Apple, SoundCloud, like all those different places. Yeah. It's 
very easy process to, to, to move it. Who has the best podcast right now? Who, which hip-hop artists are just killing the game right now on the podcast? Well, I, mean, I know Joe Button. I was about to say, nobody's better than Joe right now. Nobody's, but yeah, Joe, Joe's on top Joe, of the game. Joe's got it. it. He was doing it before it was He was popular. doing it before it was popular. He was doing, he had Joe Button TV, and that's the part people don't remember. Um, he's had Joe Button TV since the early internet. Like it was, it was, that was, I mean, mood music was, was still being like, if mood, if mood music two was out when he had that, I'll be surprised, but I know mood music one was out when JoeButtonTV.com was out. Like, so Joe has been doing it for a while as far as just like me, as far as like creating content. Um, the next for me would be uh, that, all right. So the best versus my favorite are two different things. Okay. All right. So, I want to hear both. Yeah, Joe Button would be the best. Okay. My favorite is T.I.'s. You like uh, Expeditiously? Expeditiously, yes. Expeditiously I, I love Expeditiously. Um, I love Expeditiously because he's going to get interviews that other people can't get. Hmm. He's going to drop gems from a time period that I was like, we, him and I were both in the same city from, 90, from 98, 99 to 2004. Like, so... Or, or no, no. Was, we were it, in Atlanta. was it um the other school? What was it called? No, um, I went to Morris Brown. Morris Brown. Morris yeah. Brown. Sorry. Yeah, so we were down there. So it's like, you know, the stories that I know of that happened, you know, the the DJ drama situation, the mm-hmm. uh the 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 situation with, you know, well back then he was Titty Boy, but two chain two chains rapping on the library steps every day. You know, that, that was a that was a thing. Like, like people didn't know who he was. And this boy, this tall boy with dreads, like, every day down there. Like, and, this, and everybody knew that he was, you know, like a super senior. Like, we knew he didn't go to school there. We knew he had been graduated. But that's where he hung out. Um, but that, on, like I said, the interviews that he's going to be able to get um, for the culture that a lot of other people wouldn't be able to get. Like, he had, um, he did an interview with TLC. With uh, well, with Chili and T Boss, he did a he did a um interview with Monique and her husband. Um, he's done inter- other interviews. Whenever he does, whenever he does like a couple interview, his wife his wife Tiny is there. Um, so yeah, like that's yeah, like it's it's to me, he brings something different. His voice is something different that um that we didn't have before. And what about women? What about like any women that are killing the game in the um? Well, Scotty Bean. Is is Scotty? Scotty, Scotty. Um, I gotta give I gotta give her all her props. Um, I love Scotty to death. I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of her new of her newest venture with Netflix, um, as far as that podcast is concerned. But it's okay. It's it's now that that's that to me that podcast would be I would consider the victim of COVID, because without COVID, I think that the where they were gonna push it was different, and then COVID happened like a week before they debuted. So yeah, like that was that was different. Um, like I said, I have um, in in our group we have the uh, the two ladies that run all the smoke podcasts, um, and I love that podcast. Not just you know I'm not just a uh, I'm not just a, a a group member. I'm a fan of the podcast. Um, uh, horrible decisions. I like. Um, I've been listening to a few episodes of uh, of Ask Asia. Ask Asia. Um, they, uh, I know one of them went to Temple. I don't know if both of them went to Temple, but I know one of them went to Temple, and um, now they live in LA, and they, you know, they're that's their podcast, um, kind of similar to what uh, what the US Ford podcast kind of started with, 
you know, dating and dating and, uh, and relationships, you know, and then we kind of spurred from there and went, went in other, in other directions, they kind of stuck to that. So. So speaking of like dating and relationships, how is it dating now in post COVID? (laughs) What's the scene looking like now? You know me, first of all, I'm married. I got two kids. I live vicariously through people like you. So I don't know anything about anything. I rely on individuals like you to give me the scoop. What's the scene looking like out there? Well, from what I'm hearing, um, I haven't, you know, I haven't personally been on a lot of dates post COVID. But from what I'm hearing, the uh, the ambiance the is kind of set up for you now. Everything's outdoor. So you can't miss, as far as like planning a date, you can't miss. Mm-hmm. Um, especially like if she, if she eats, <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like if she like eats, every girl in food. like, like if she don't eat, then that's different. But if she eats, you can take her somewhere nice. Um, you know, and it'll be an outdoor dining situation. Um, there's a few, depending upon where you are, some bowling alleys are open. Um, okay. so there's some things to do. Um, but I think that, um, the socially, the social distancing thing of it is where the hangup is. And that's where, you know, I think post-COVID, what you'll realize really quickly is the people that have OCD. Yeah. You'll recognize them really quickly. Um, you don't have to wait. You know, they'll show them, they'll show them their cells as soon as they pull the, uh, the, the little, the mini can of Lysol that they made right out of their pocket. So, <laughs> so you know, those people, um, it's, uh, to me, it, it created a space where people can hide longer mm-hmm. because you don't, you, your excuse for never wanting to go out is viable. It's valid. Like it's, you can't, yo, that disease is still out here. No, I'm not going outside. We can still, we can talk on the phone. We can FaceTime, we can text and everything like that. Um, I guarantee you that at the end of this, we're going to see the divorce rate pop again. Um, because it, it, two reasons. One, I do think that a lot of people are probably carrying on a lot of extra marital affairs. Um, they may be non-physical or mm. even if they are physical, because for a lot of people that are, um, that are considered essential workers that, you know, they have, they have excuses to leave the house and things like that. Mm. Those people, um, and because you recognize that after spending, you know, however many hours a day in a house with a person, you don't like them. <laughs> like, like like, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that the best thing is that. I think the best thing is to recognize you don't like a person. Like, yo, I don't really, I don't really feel, I don't really fool with you too much. Like, mm, mm, crazy, crazy. Well, you know what? I was actually telling my man, like, like I'd be scared to go to the club when COVID's over, because I Absolutely. feel like people are gonna be crazy out of their damn minds, like. It's gonna be a whole bunch of babies popping up as soon as this thing is over. Like people are gonna yep. be going, they won't even make it home. They're not <laughs> even gonna make it home. Like I it's gonna be wild. Like I'm not going anywhere near clubs. I'm not hitting the dive bars. I'm gonna chill. I'm gonna fall back, man. Listen, you know? I'm gonna I'm gonna probably hit like uh I don't know if I'm gonna hit any clubs. Um I've been fiend out to hit a hookah bar. Yeah. Lounge spot, like. I've been fiend out to the point that now, before po- pre-COVID, I owned one hookah. Mm-hmm. Post-COVID, there's five hookahs downstairs. Wow. <laughs> okay. All right. So you hookahed out. <laughs> like, you hookahed out. 
I can only smoke one at a time. It's like, <laughs> and I know, and I know that's the new wave of the scene, but it's like the scene in Philly has changed dramatically over the years. Like you remember Council's fault. You remember Palmer's. Mm-hmm. You, know, you remember Faiso Lounge and My the Five Spirits. We know all of these like popular spots in Philly. I feel like nightlife is almost dead outside of the river deck. There's like literally nothing uh, in terms of club wise. Is is club culture dead in Philly now? Um, it's dying. Yeah, it's dying, and it's dying a slow death. And like I started this when, when you first started, city council's fault. Um, mostly city council's fault. Um, the uh, the little dive bars are are trying to you know take on the crowd a little bit. I mean, everybody can't be like what a what Nick's roast beef turned into, but I think that's what they're all aiming to do, which is basically say, all right, cool. We're going to go from this little dive bar, you know, and then expand to being, you know, a large restaurant or whatever, you know, have six locations throughout the city type situation. Everybody's not going to be able to do that. Um, And now considering real estate costs and things like that, I don't, and zoning alone. That's why I'm, I'm all, I'm always going to blame city council. Um, There was a situation where, in Germantown, um, where right next door on Germantown Avenue, next door to the uh, to the candy factory, right off of Shelton, where right off of Armat, there was a um, situation where, like, let's say, like 2003, 2004, me and a homie of mine had a situation where we could have brought that building, but we wanted oh. to put. What's that? Is it really? Yeah, but we wanted to put a nightclub there, and they said no. You'll be better. You'll you. The only way that we'll be able to we can pass zoning is if you open up either a restaurant or a strip club. A restaurant or a strip club. That's the only way you can do it. Yep, that was the only way and we you could know do what? it. I have a homie that was telling me that like they basically restrict, especially black people, in terms of what kind of businesses they can start. They don't allow you to purchase certain properties unless it's for certain purposes. Yes. Like a strip club or a bar. Like, what if I wanted to have, like, uh, uh, an open office space? I can't do something like that. Well, no, it's not that you can't. It's that um, you would, it's, so for the, let's say if you're leasing space, right? If you're leasing space, then it's, it's more risk involved with the person that's leasing to you because you don't have something that would be considered, like, continuous. Like, mm. regularly, you know, you got regular you know, events happening every week. Um, if you open an event space or like an office space or something like that, you know, you're kind of beholden to basically, technically you're subletting if you're leasing that space, mm. technically. Um, and that's why a lot of times the leasers don't want to allow that type of a business. Now there's some workarounds and things like that. Um, there's a couple guys from Philly that, you know, do, well, there's at least one guy from Philly that actually does uh, seminars on, on, you know, opening up buying commercial property and opening up event spaces. Okay. Um, so that's a, that's a thing. Um, people do do that to generate revenue. Um, I wanted to do it because like I have three, four, five friends that all do, that all do t-shirts, like all press t-shirts. Right. And I'm mm-hmm. like, all right, cool. It's more efficient. It would be more efficient if we all got together as a group, brought a direct garment, brought all of this other equipment that would make all of our you know, processes easier and just put it into a commercial office and just work out of the office. 
That would make sense. Yeah, it would. But then, you know, crabs in a barrel. Crabs in – and that's just – like, if Philly could be ranked in the crabs in a barrel city, like, would we be top five in your experience? Top five? We'd be number one. What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? It's easy to be number one. Think about it. All right, so oh, – I think totally about agree it. with you. I think <laughs> Philly is probably – the number one or number two crab in a barrel city. We'll be number one before it. Boston? I've never been there. I don't know. New York, New Jersey, maybe. I no, think they'll put your car right in front of your face. Yeah, but I can't go with Newark because Newark, they may they may just steal your car right in front of your face. But when I tell you they have like I can go to Newark and get and get stickers and tags for a Pennsylvania car. <laughs> like I can't rock with that. <laughs> I'm gonna have to put Newark as number one, man. Newark number one. Oh. Here, here's here's why I'm, here's why I want to say this, right? Now, many years ago, I had these um, those see-through covers. I was selling them, right? And I was going into the barber shops, and I would just sell them out of my out of my bag, whatever. Philly showed me a lot of love. Okay. They was not hating. They was just like, yo, let me get two. Let me get three. Like, I like your pitch. Let me give you some play. Philly really showed out. And I feel like Philly knew that they had that cloud over their head. Like they was trying to they was trying to break it. So let me let me break this thing by buying it. I could feel that energy. They was like, okay, cool. We'll buy it. We'll buy it. When I got to Newark, though, it was different. It, like, I felt like I was going to get straight up robbed. I was like, because they was looking at me like, oh, this guy just sold four. He just made $80. <laughs> I can see him doing the math in their head. Like, as soon as he turned on Halsey Street, you know, I'm, I'm, I got him. I said, let me get out of here quick. Let me get out of here quick. I'm going to put him at number one. But when it comes to rap music or you trying to get your get your name out there, I would not start in Philadelphia. It's very hard, which makes what Meek Mill did all the more impressive. I mean, it took him like years and he still had even going through that. Like I didn't realize until very recently that he was part of non-brigade. Yeah. Like, like that. I was like, wait, what? Like, first off, I had to recalculate how old he was. Like everything, yeah. everything changed. It was like, wait, non-brigade, bro, he ain't that old. Like, <laughs> that don't even make sense. No, he, I heard he was 12. Like, like, he was 12? Like, no, he wasn't. And I looked, and he was. Like, he was part of Nine Brigade. So it's like, yo, he's been in this for a long time. And yeah. like you said, he went out of the city to really get it. Like, he didn't get it in the city. You know, we had people that could have got him on in the city, but he had to go and become part of Grand Hustle to, to really get pushed. No, this is actually true. And there's no major label in Philly that is synonymous with hip hop, unless you no. want to call it state property. I don't even know if that's a label or if no. State property technically wouldn't be a label, so no. no. Um, what is a like, major? Label in the Philly? only the only uh, management company out of Philly that had any name, and I think they might have managed a lot of hip hop artists from Philly was Black Hand Entertainment. Yeah, and that was it. Yeah. And I mean, they had, and only, and what really gave them anything was that they signed Beanie Siegel early. That's it. Yeah. 
That's it. And, it, and it's a shame how Beanie's career has, the trajectory of his career uh, has been very sad. He can't even talk anymore. Yeah. Um, Freeway is going down the toilet. Like, who are some of the rappers, in your opinion, that had Superstar written all over them, but just never made it out? Never, never got the, the press or the, or the, the push they deserved? From Philly or in general? Philly. From Philly? Oh, man. First person that comes to mind for me is Joey Jahan. No, Miss Jade. Miss, well, yeah, Miss Jade, too. <laughs> Miss Jade, too. I forgot about her. <laughs> Miss Jade. Miss Jade. Joey Jahad, I don't know if he would have, like, Joey Jahad had that. I don't think that he would have ever changed his style, and that would have been the problem. Um, I think I that like because I, what's that? I would have liked to have seen him get a chance. Yeah, but see, here's the thing. Like, for him to get a chance, like, I think that if we, again, this is one of those situations where I say that we're the number one city for crabs in a barrel, period, like, mm -hmm. overall. Because mm -hmm. if, we could, if we could ever get together as, if, as artists, if, like, how we're doing, how I called you and said, yo, you should start a podcast. Like, yeah. last year, called you, said, yo, you should start a podcast. Yeah. How, like, that and then you start this and then we get on here together. And now, you know what I mean? That you're going to do me the solid of being on my show. That type of con con conglomerate would just grow. That type of com camaraderie would just grow. The problem is Philadelphia is a, is a small city of neighborhoods. So you got Joey Jahad from North Philly. You got, um, well, at that point it would have been Vok and all of them from, from, uh, from Haines street and from Peyton and Pastorius, Pastorius Peyton and Peyton. And um, all of them P and B boys, you got all of that going on, and they're treating the neighborhoods like like each neighborhood is a gang in itself, yep. and so there's all of this friction and whatnot. So you can't get on here if you if basically everybody is, you know, shooting. Everybody's gonna gun for the top, but nobody wants to nobody wants to help push anybody up. Right. And that's why I look at like I look at Buffalo and I look at the uh, Griselda, and I'm like, yo, like that's amazing. Especially when you start hearing their stories, it's like, yo, like. He really wasn't even part of them. Like, he just was some boy hanging out at the studio. And they was like, all right, cool. Yo, you get on the mic. He out on the mic, killed it. All right, cool. Now we pushing you. That would never happen in Philly. First off, so you know my little brother, Just, just O. Um, I don't know if you just, if you heard this, his new song, Brown, Brown, Brown Skin. But he, there's an artist. So him and, um, and one of his friends, Shoney Rogers, they've been rapping together forever, right? Mm -hmm. it's an artist that he reached out to last year from Philly. Mm -hmm. He reached out to say, yo, bro, what's up? His management reached out. Like, can we, you know, let's, let's, let's do this. Let's get on the song together. Yeah. I mean, blah, blah. Never heard back from him. He was like, you know, the conversation went good, but that was the end of it. Never heard back from him again. The guy reaches out to Sean and Sean had to me on the song that he, the reason that he's like, yo, that verse was so hot, blah, blah. I'm like, obviously you haven't listened to the rest of his catalog because to me, that was on the low end of the things that I've heard him spit that he's got recorded, SoundCloud, title, all of that. Like, I'm like, yo, that's on the low end. If that's the one that brought you out, then I think you, in your mind, you think you can dog him on a track. And I'm like, yo, like, that's not, like, that doesn't make sense to me. Like he, he's the type, he, Sean is the type that can match your swag no matter what, like he's the type that can change his style and all of that. So he's not one of those people that it's like when you, it's like, it's like matchup, like matchups, make fights type thing with boxing. You don't want to just, yeah, you don't want to just throw anybody there. He's the type of person that he, he can, you can throw him anywhere and he's going to show up. 
But it's like, yo, like you, you, you turned down, you know, you turned down money, you turned down opportunities with people that could have gotten you further because your voice would have been heard. And that's the thing, like they don't recognize that your voice would have been heard no matter what. Yeah, you might be pulling somebody else up, but your voice is going to be heard. I wonder why, like, and I just don't, where does this even come from? Because it's like, it's not just even with hip hop. You look at it with television shows and reality shows. Yep. There's not one reality show that's based in Philadelphia outside of parking wars, which makes the city look even worse, right? Have you ever seen a Real Housewives of Philly? No. no. Have you ever seen a Love and Hip Hop Philly? No. no. Have you ever seen like a Inked Up? They could even have a, like an Inked Up Philly. And they don't I have mean, nothing like that. They'll go to every city, they'll go to New York, they'll go to Jersey, they'll go to DC, they'll go to Atlanta, they'll go to LA, Miami, Houston. They won't come to Philly. What is it? Is there something historical? Is there some sort of a curse? What happened, man? Listen, I don't know. All I know is that uh so when I was in Atlanta, um, down there for school, one of the coaches said, like, we don't we don't recruit from Philly very often. Because it breeds, because it, they the the system breeds y'all to be soft. Soft. That's what he said. Now that's a surprise. Now, now his his definition of soft, I think, was different, because I think what he was saying was we're un, we're not coachable. Oh. It, um. Yeah. yeah. That I interpret because of what because of the, what we were talking about, like the word that were that was the words verbatim, but. Mm-hmm what we were talking about was the ability like actually to be coached. And he was like, you know, y'all, y'all have been spoiled. Y'all not coachable. Hmm. And that's Coach, not, coachable. not coachable. Like you, you know, and then, and then I sit here and I think about all the stories that my cousins told me he's a, uh, he used to be a counselor in, um, in the Philly school school system and all the stories that he's told me. And I'm like, yeah, he might, might, he probably had a point. <laughs> like, I think about the things that some of the things my friends have went through, like while I was in high school and I'm like, yeah, he might've had a point. Like, all right, score one to you coach. Like, it's like, like, yeah, I, here's what I would want to know. Right. So if you're living in Philly, I've, we've had these conversations. I'm sure you've had these conversations. Uh, we've always talked about, Oh, you know, I don't want to go to New York to make it. I don't want to go to Atlanta to make it. I want. I don't want to go to LA to make it. I don't want to go to Miami to make it. I think we should make it right here in Philly. We should build it right here in Philly. We should do it right here in Philly. The headquarters should be right here in Philly, and it never happens. It, nobody ever comes back. And, <laughs> I mean, they don't. They, you're, right. you're right. They don't. They don't. They don't come back. And and I think. First and foremost, I think like I, when I'm writing my book, like I did a whole breakdown of the history of Philadelphia, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of there's I think there's two main things that happened to Black Philadelphia that changed the trajectory of everybody's life who grew up here. And I would say that the first thing is a lot of people don't know this, but Philly had the first African American college in the United States of America. It was called the African Institute, which later turned into Cheney University. Yep. But it used to actually be right at uh, 7th and Bainbridge. Yeah, in right in the city. Yeah. Right in the city. <clears throat> right down the street from 
uh, well, from uh, the church that's on Second and Lombard, where we also had the first race riot, race riot post slavery. That is correct. That is correct. Uh, and and this is a place where W. E. B. Du Bois was studying. This was a place where um, all the academics came. Right, they did their thing. It was right in the center of Philadelphia. It had the potential to be what Howard is to D.C. Yep. But Booker T. Washington talked to the board, said, you know, Negroes don't need education. They need how to learn how to be out in the field. They need to learn how to, you know, do agriculture. <laughs> this is true. I know it's true. I and they moved out to Cheney University. It's been that way ever since. And the second thing, which I think is really interesting, is that Philly had two prominent Black-owned banks. Yep. And it was called the Freedmen's Bank, and it was called the Cosmopolitan Bank. And these two banks really bankrolled the hell out of Philadelphia. You wanted to buy a house, you went to that bank. You wanted to start a business, you went to that bank. Black Philly was thriving. The Ninth Ward was thriving. See, everybody was doing good. They actually invested in um, Marcus Garvey's Black Star Network, where he was taking the ships and going out to Jamaica yeah. and basically being Alibaba before Alibaba, like bringing back wholesale stuff for people to order. Of course, the United States government, and you know, they intervened and screwed it all up. And then they started losing money. They did a run on the banks. Everybody wanted to get their money out of the bank because they felt like they were investing. And then they needed a backup because, you know, the FDIC backs up the banks whenever there's a loss. Well, you're not going to believe this but scene, but the FDIC didn't bank back up these banks. And they said, you're on your own. And they collapsed. And once they collapsed, they became dependent on the Federal Housing Authority of Philly, the PHA, and then they were stuck in these neighborhoods that we're going to build these houses. You can only go in these neighborhoods. You can only be stuck in these zones. And that kind of just killed the, the wealth and the building of business and everything like that. And it kind of turned into this powder keg, in my opinion, where everybody has this idea that there's only but so much success that can be had and I got to get it and I got to do it at your expense. And I feel like that's got to get broken. Even if, even if it's at your expense, I can't believe that that's their first thought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, but, but that, but, right. But <laughs> what I'm saying, like, I feel like people in Philly believe that like there's a hundred dollars available and I, I need 50. My dollar. Yeah, I got to get 50. My dollar. Yeah. Not knowing that there's like a million dollars that we can all get. Yeah. But you're thinking like, you know what I mean? I, I know you know what I mean. I get it. I definitely agree. Um, there's some other, there's some, there's some other things that happened. Um, even this like city adjacent, like um, the story of how Levittown was built. Yes. Um, like that, that, that whole thing, like, I'm not going to get into that, you know, everybody go and uh, go and look that up. Um, but yeah, that was, that was an issue. Like, and that was, again, like you said, you said, I'm not going to believe it that the FDIC didn't back these black owned banks, the right. FDIC, cool, great federal government, the federal government went to a, went to a, a, a home builder and said, if you sell any of these homes to black soldiers coming home from war, we'll, we'll end funding for all of it. 
It's, I believe it. Red line. <laughs> so, Red so line like, 101, man. Like, and we're, st- and the thing is, like, I'm in real estate. I'm, I'm a licensed realtor. And they're still redlining. Absolutely. Like, redlining is still a thing. Um, it's just harder to catch now. You know, the, the paperwork is different. And they'll pepper in some white people to just kind of make it look good. Yeah. Like, you know, I live in University City now. And there's, you know, and where I'm at exactly, but where I'm at for real, for real, technically, I'm right outside of Mantua. I'm on 40 from Lancaster. There's, this is not, you know, a neighborhood that there was a great many of white people. No, there are a great many of white people and there's a great many of white people that are not only homeowners, they're also renters. Wow. So it's like, seriously, like, this is what we, this is, this is where we're at now. Like, all right. That's what we're doing. And now what's interesting now is you see it in Philadelphia. A lot of people are leaving because they are, they working remotely and they're saying, well, if I work remotely, I can go wherever I want. I got to stay here for, you know, why I got to pay $300,000 for a tiny row home that's 1,100 square feet when I could go out in the country somewhere. Yep. And now there's a mass exodus. So the future of Philadelphia is very up in the air right now. Yeah. Did you see today they had the, uh, they cleared out the homeless. Uh, the, the encampment. Yeah. The encampment. Yeah. What are they going to do with the homeless? I mean, listen, I had this conversation the other day. Um, so it would take, so first off, think about like a state like California, mm-hmm. the richest state in the union, right? The richest state in the United States. Mm-hmm. If they were to become a country, they'd be like top five. They would. A lot of people don't know there's like 40 million people in California. But they also have the most homeless that we like as far as the state is concerned they have the most homeless people in one state the richest state in the country Mm. like top five in the world Mm. has the most homeless people the contradiction in that is like how can you say the two in the same sentence um like you look at like you look at jeff bezos right and you say hey you know if you take if you take the rest of your life, you'll never spend all of this money. Matter of fact, your great grandkids couldn't blow through your money, right? Nope. He could take half of his money and 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 basically end homelessness in the country. Probably like not even probably. It's a fact. It would take twenty billion. <laughs> <laughs> it's not much. Not. It would take twenty billion, and he and he could end homelessness in the United States. It's it's fascinating to me. Like they just so they become so obsessed with building their wealth and po- compiling these numbers. They don't even think about the people anymore. It's it's the the Amazon workers and Whole Foods who Amazon purchased and like they have like deplorable working conditions. And I don't know why, but the people at Whole Foods think the employees at Whole Foods think they're like getting it. And I'm like, yo, like back in the early 90s, like back in the early 90s, at when Aldi's first opened, everybody was making 15 an hour. That was the early 90s. Yeah. It's 2020. And y'all out here like making $15 an hour is the thing. Yo. That's true. And people still think they're getting it. You are not. 
You're not. You're not. You're living check to check, just like everybody else. But the thing is, those people making fifteen dollars an hour, if you give them a million, they'll blow it. Oh, quick. They don't know how to handle that type of money. They don't know how to handle the money that they got. They're living check to check. So it's like, yo, like you can't, like, it's like, all right, cool. So I can't just hand you the money and say, all right, cool. This is what you, you know, this is what you get. I can't do that. It's got to be a better, it's got to be a, a system set up. Like, so we, you were talking about black owned bank. So I, I'm, I'm part of a one United bank. That's okay. my, that's my bank, um, black owned bank. And so what they do is they send out, you know, you get emails. They did like a whole week from like August 6th to 13th was like financial awareness week. Every week, every day they were, you know, sending out an email and giving you a lesson about, you know, something to be, to build your financial awareness. Like that type of stuff is the only thing that's going to save us in this capitalist society that we're in now. Is financial literacy, you're saying. Financial literacy is going to be the thing. Like, because other than that, you know, we're not, we're not going to make it like we're just not like we don't know our history enough to make it like we don't know like you brought up Marcus Garvey his birthday was yesterday the 17th yes. um and so you know people like that should be a that should be a national holiday for us it like should. just like we shout just like we celebrated Juneteenth and personally I've been celebrating Juneteenth since like 2008 um but you know since we 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 pushed it big this year you know next year is Juneteenth and my next summer holiday is going to be Marcus Garvey Day because it, because that's the that those are the holidays that we should be celebrating. We should be celebrating our 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 heroes, especially those that, for me, I don't, I don't want to you know because personally I'm 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 all about you know mass exodus out of the U.S. is the only way that we can show them that they need us because you know now we're talking. <laughs> Now we're talking, I, you know, I, it's, it's funny. I didn't think you were going to say this. So, uh, since you brought this up, <laughs> since you brought it up. Like I set myself up. Yeah, no, no. Since you brought, well, see, this is the purpose of, you know, and I say this almost every podcast, the purpose of me building the website New Black Society is to subconsciously allude to the point that we need a new black society. And that new black society can't be here. Yo, it was so overt when you when I first saw it as new black society. It was so overt. You you said you tried to do it subtly. No, bro. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just I'm just putting it out there. We we absolutely need this. And looking at this whole democratic convention and everything like that. Look, it's cool. I hear you. You know, but at the end of the day, it's just it's a useless endeavor. Democratic Party, Republican Party, at the end of the day, we don't have the equity. We don't have the control. We don't influence the policy. We don't influence the culture. We don't influence the cost of the homes, what our children are learning in schools. We must, in this next decade, and this is my strong opinion, we must begin the process of leaving the United States of America and building our own nation state. Do you agree with this? I agree. Mm -hmm. um, the process can't take a decade to start or end. How long should it take? I mean, if we start, we can leave whenever. This is true, man. I mean, the, I, the building building may take a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. um, leaving is just getting on a plane. I mean, it's not. Yeah. There, there are there are countries that literally look at black men as, and not just countries. 
so a lot of people let this go over their head. They didn't look at it. I follow the news. Sometimes I try my best, at least as long as I'm not stressed about stuff. But the United Nations said that um, black men in the United States have refugee status. So that means anybody that's a part of the UN country-wise can take us in as refugees. So Canada, they got all sorts of stuff going on that, you know, if you try to move there, you got to have certain amount of, uh, a certain amount of liquid assets and a certain amount of assets and holdings and things like that. Well, they will take us in as refugees and we don't have to have that. Um, Canada is just one example. Um, Ghana has always had an open door policy for black people in America. Um, and they've always said, yo, listen, come home. We miss you. Like that's literally their, their pitch. Come home. We miss you. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, basically. Like, you can't put it any better than that. That's exactly what you're saying. Like, so for me, I look at it like the process should have started already for us. Hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to say, I'll say this. I apologize for my generation. Because hmm. our children are going through things and, and they're going through stuff that they shouldn't have to. Because the generation before us should have put in our minds that we needed to leave. Mm. so we'll be putting in our children's minds like yo if things don't get better we need to leave but the generation like me and my little brother are 12 years apart mm. they move a lot faster than us yeah like george floyd was killed at the end of may a week later cities were burning yeah they move a lot faster than us like yeah. we might yeah i mean we might have to you know tiptoe on some stuff first they said no no, burn it to the ground. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, that was it. Burn it to the ground. It was nothing else to talk about. And I'm, 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 I'm about that. I'm, I'd rather that because that's what I said. So my initial response to that was just reset. So the only way that we're going to be able to, you know, to, to, to really get, like, I, all right, so here, here's where it started. I asked a bunch of people. I don't think I called you and asked you because I kind of already knew what, you're, what you would say. And yeah. so I just didn't call you and ask you, I'm being honest. Um, but I called a bunch of people and I was like, yo, so what do y'all want as black people in America? Like, what do you want? Like, what is it? And everybody, everybody said equality. And my response is, they're not going to give you that. You're going to have to take it. So are you willing to do what's necessary to take it? Hold on now. <laughs> are you like sitting there to like taking thoughts out of my head, dog? Like, you saying the exact same thing I said. I, that's why I didn't call you, bro. <laughs> like, that was okay. why I didn't call all you. All right, all right. <laughs> that's one of my favorite... Listen, if you are committed, you'll do what's necessary. If you're interested, you do what's convenient. Are you willing to do what's necessary, or are you willing to do what's convenient? And that's it. You have to ask yourself that question, because I think that if we're going to go sit here and, and coddle the Democratic Party and, oh, let's get Trump out of office, all, this is just doing what's convenient, bro. This yep. is not going to change police brutality. This is not going to change racist policy. This is not going to change mass incarceration. This is not going to change the blocking of wealth and the lack of reparations that our community well, needs. All right. So that part of it, so that part of it, his VP, his VP pick gave me hope that the, 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 the wealth blockage and the disparity, the disparity as far as home ownership and things like that, his VP pick, the one thing that I'll give her policy on, the one pass I'll give her 
is that that part of it, I'll, I'll give her. Her policies have, have, have thus far, since she's been in the Senate, have given um, those types of, that they've pushed that type of, that type of policy change. Um, yeah. Whereas the wealth blockage would be would be is being addressed. It was even it was even addressed in the in the bill that that was just recently passed that she pushed through. That was her bill um, with the whole COVID funding and the and our response to evictions and things like that. So mm-hmm. that was mostly her. So um, and that was after she dropped out of the race, which pissed me off. That after she dropped out of the race, now all of a sudden you want to you want to put on your big girl pants and really say some shit that you really meant. I had an issue with that. That's me. <laughs> but so she um so th- I'll give her that. That's all I'll give her. Um, I won't give her anything else as far as you know police brutality. As far as she was holding up a system that she knew was inherently racist because her parents taught her as much. Because you can't tell me that having parents that are involved in like really really involved in the civil rights movement. You didn't at least pick up some of those lessons. And if you didn't, then that's on you. You went to Howard and became an AKA. Now here's the thing, there's a rumor, I don't know if it's true or not, but I'm gonna say it anyway. So there's a rumor that women from that Howard AKAs normally, gradu- normally graduate and marry white men at a way higher rate than anybody else. And so- I have no comment on that. Uh, <laughs> I, I have no comment on that, but I mean, it, it's interesting for you to say, I hear that. But shout out to my AKA sisters. Hey, listen, shout out to all of them. Shout out to, to the Divine Nine. Shout out to all of them. Absolutely. So, but again, you know, I don't know what they're teaching at Howard. Whatever it is, she came out and her and the lesson that she learned was fit into corporate America because that's what she did. She right. assimilated herself. Yes. And to me, you normally get that lesson. I went to an HBCU. And I know a bunch of people that went to traditional colleges and universities. And yeah. those people that went to traditional colleges and universities normally come out and they assimilate. Right. Until something happens that affects them and makes them have to change their mind and wake up. That's why we call it woke. Because mm-hmm. then they wake up and they see it and they're like, oh, no, I can't. This doesn't, these two things don't match. I can't be in corporate America and assimilating and come home to my black son and tell him, you know, when the, and basically give the, the, when the cops pull you over speech. Right. You can't, you can't do those two things because then when you go to work the next day, you looking at privileged white lady, Karen, that doesn't have to have that conversation with her son. Never, never, man. And, 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 you know, it's just coping mechanisms. That's what I call it. Just yeah. coping mechanisms. I'm just learning to cope with the situation. You know, I'm just dealing with the situation as it is. You know, I'm just trying to get by. And here we are. We continue to do all these things. We've given our children our last names. And what are our last names? We don't change our names. We don't change our language. We don't change the culture. And now I think more than ever, it's time to do so. Have you ever been to, um, have you been to the continent at all? Nope, never. Never, because when I go, I'm not coming back. No, well, listen, I heard that. I, <laughs> I heard that. Heard, what about the Caribbean? Like I've you, never been I've never been out of the country. Really? Nope, never been out of the country. Okay, so you have a passport. Um my my application's in. 
Okay. You have to get back. Okay. So I got to get it because I'm going, I want to go to Cuba for my 40th. Okay. Good enough. Good enough. I, I will tell you this much, right? Once you leave the country, you're right. You're never coming back. You, you're not coming back. Like, <laughs> I, I'll just be like, oh my gosh, man, just hit me up where you are. I hope you got good Wi-Fi. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. There's a lot of really nice cities out there. There's a lot of there's a lot of great infrastructure. And then Netflix of- Netflix isn't helping because yeah. Netflix is Netflix. All of a sudden, with all the African movies that they got, yeah, they are not helping. Like, oh yeah, yeah, no, they're not. No, the African, yeah. So my wife is African, and so I, I've got a lot of exposure to you know what's out there. And I and I was on that wave before you know this. Yeah, and and. The one thing I've learned is that, like, first of all, the infrastructure is way better than what you think. And the conflict is way less than you think. And once you get to that space, you get so comfortable, you're like, oh, I'm never coming back. Like, my daughter has cousins, and they've gone to Africa, and their parents are, you know, they're in Sierra Leone, they're in Ghana, they're in Nigeria. They're like, we ain't coming back. What do you, well, you can come see us where we are, but you're, but you're not going to, uh, we're, we're not coming back to that country anytime soon. You're like, well, what, what the hell they got going on over there? Then you go over there and you're like, oh, so I see. Oh, so the, the food, it tastes like this. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, the, the culture is like this. You're not even really black when you're in, West Africa or wherever you are. Like, they don't even look at you. Like, you're just another person. And yeah. it feels good. It feels good. I, and I would totally encourage everybody to visit the continent, whether it be Accra, Ghana, Lagos, whatever. You know, go visit, experience the culture. You'll love it, especially during the holiday season, like uh, around Christmas time, like New Year's. Trust me, you'll never come back. Yeah, you'll I know. Well, I, I know that. Uh, <laughs> listen, I it always end the podcast by uh, asking your one-shot thoughts. I need one word for what I'm going to mention to you. I prepared some stuff for you. Oh, and, uh, I want you to tell me what your first thought is that comes to mind. Okay. I say these words. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Bitcoin. Scam. Interesting. Philadelphia. Home. Marcus Garvey. Trailblazer. Meek Mill. He's okay. (laughs) The state of real estate. Upswing. Everybody get in now. Joe Biden. Scam artist. <laughs> Ghana. Home. Mm, I agree with that. <laughs> I agree with that. I agree with that. My man, Basim, it's been an honor and a privilege. This is actually my favorite podcast. This has been a, a, a super pleasure, man. I look forward to being on your podcast. Tell us, tell us what the podcast is and, and how often it's playing. Season two is coming up, right? Well, season two, we're in. Um, we'll be ending it soon. Uh, we'll be going into season three. It's the You Ask For It podcast. We're on Facebook Live Saturday nights at eight. 
Um, and some weekdays, we kind of just randomly pick some, depending upon what's in the news stream, what, we, what it is that we want to talk about. Um, we have a Facebook group that is also in combination with, uh, with our other podcast, our sister podcast, the All the, All the Smoke podcast. Um, both of them are under one umbrella, which is CMCG, which is uh, our, our, a group, our group as a whole. It's, uh, it's Catalyst Media Group, well, Catalyst Media and Content Group. Um, and that's what, uh, that's what everybody's under. Um, we fund ourselves basically. Um, we don't, we're not, as it stands right now, we have no outside investors. I have two, two or three people that are asking and I'm like, no, right now, um, right now. So we own the IPs and that right now is what matters is ownership, especially right now, because we know that in the next four to five years, where podcasts and where the revenue is going to come. And I'm like, if we already know what the trajectory is for the business, for the, the industry as a whole, um, then how do we make sure that the creators get paid? Mm. Because when you think about hip hop and we knew the trajectory of what hip hop would be, um, the creators didn't get paid. That's right. And I want to make sure that I'm part of the, the creators getting paid. But seeing the dream. Yo, man, I appreciate you being on the New Black Society podcast. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. I'm talk to you, man. Listen, I, I, I can't wait to get on, on, on the U.S. for a podcast. Hit me up. I, we need to get a date right away. All right. Um, I'm going to go. Well, our meeting is starting now. Like, they're probably mad at me because I didn't hit the start button on the Zoom yet. <laughs> but, uh, but our meeting is starting now. As soon as this meeting's over, I'll have a date for you. I'll, I'll talk to everybody. We'll, we'll get a date going. All right, man. Thanks for being on the podcast. I'll talk to you soon, brother. All right, bro. Be safe. All right. Wear your mask when you go outside. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Will do. All right, bro. All right, bro. Thanks for listening to the New Black Society podcast with Nate Wilson. You can subscribe to this podcast on any platform podcast play. See you next time.